This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is Talking Devils, your favourite Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by the legendary former Manchester United defender, Paul Parker. Paul, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, Wayne. Thank you very much. Good stuff. Um, Talking Devils, as always, brought to you in association with Classic Football Shirts. Classic Football Shirts have a range of classic shirts and sportswear online and in their physical stores as well. Listeners to this podcast can get a 10% discount with TOTD10 at checkout online. Uh, we're also proud to support the Duncan Edwards Foundation and Museum in Dudley, which is now reopened, run by Rose Cookmonk. Um, again, I say it every week, but Rose does a great job running that museum, which is a stone's throw from the statue of Duncan Edwards in Dudley Town Centre. Um, obviously, the museum was hit hard by the pandemic. It's a not-for-profit venture. It is a valuable part of United culture. Um, so please, if you are able, consider um, supporting the foundation. If you can, just Google the foundation and you'll find the appropriate places. Um, probably the best news to come out this week. Well, obviously, we're going to be reviewing the um, Europa League final today, Paul. But the, first, the best news that came out of the club this week, so obviously the result wasn't what we wanted, um, was the news that Jimmy Murphy's going to be honoured with a statue um, on the Old Trafford premises. Um, I'm absolutely delighted with this I think I've, I've gone on record many times as well as with the book that I wrote saying that I think Jimmy's the most important man in Manchester United history um, obviously a prominent role coach in the Busby Babes um, he was a youth team coach, reserve team coach he basically was doing everything but like Busby 
asked for complete control of the first team setup, and then Buzz, um, he gave Murphy complete control of everything else, and, um, and he was fantastic doing it. You know, he moulded the personality of that side. He was the one who sort of encouraged the likes of Duncan Edwards to um, destroy opponents, the likes of Eddie Coleman, that personality that he had. Bobby Charlton, obviously. I think he went on record as saying everything that he owes in football, he owes to Jimmy Murphy. And um, a lot of people are familiar with what Jimmy did after the crash. Um, but if you're not, you know, obviously, Munich Air disaster happened 6 February 1958. Um, Busby was convalescing because he was seriously hurt in the, in the disaster. Obviously, the last rights were read to him a couple of times. And... Um, <clears throat> Jimmy sort of took the reins from there. Really, he took he took control of the first team setup for the last few months of the season. Um, took United to an FA Cup final, um, and they they fought on. They fought on. They continued to compete. Critical decisions made in that time. Um, a lot of teams were offering their players for assistance, um, and Jimmy said, "No, we're going to do this the same way that we always did it." We, they had to get a couple of senior players in, but the rest of it, um, he supplemented the first team with the reserve players. And um, just bewilderingly strong work from him in in that period of time. When I, I was very lucky to speak to Sir Alex Ferguson for the book that I wrote, and he said that um, telling the young players what Jimmy Murphy did is the most important thing you can tell a young player who represents Manchester United. So um, magnificent news that um, that he's going to get. Um, Recognised properly on the Old Trafford premises. A lot of people skeptical of the timing of the announcement, but I just think it's always a good thing. It's always a good thing if something like that happens. Um, so yeah, um, I, Paul, I, I'm going to guess that Jimmy Murphy isn't a story that uh, isn't a, um, a tale that you're overly familiar with when you enter the club. But I, I know we, you and I, have talked before, and you were one of. Um, uh, Jimmy's last recommendations to United, albeit, you know, I think he recommended you to Ron Atkinson in 1986, so it took Fergie five years to get you, but, um, but it, you know, it, it's got to be one of those things where if you've been recommended to United by Jimmy Murphy, it's like almost worth a medal, isn't it? I think so, when you kind of um, when you find out after, you find out all about him so I think you only find out about people like that when you're actually within the club mm. you have to be within it and you're outside and you're a player you're not really bothered to be perfectly honest as, as a fan yes as a football you know as a football connoisseur yes you'd be you'd been interested in the history of Manchester United for me a player no but I do, I do know one thing though is that Sir Alex actually was kind of interested in me but I'd gone and gone and signed a new contract for Queen's Park Rangers yeah so once that, once he knew about that, and obviously that was found out while you know when I was on England duty. So I think if people work out from there how I managed to find out about any interest, then that's how it was. And there was that little bit, well, a lot then. There was a little, little bit more loyalty in football then regarding situations. So once he knew that I'd signed a new contract, as you'd always assume and you would expect, that's that player. That player deemed himself happy where he was. Yeah. You know, but given the scenario, I didn't know about any interest from any other clubs. Agents then weren't in your face pumping you and asking you or practically telling you to run down contracts. Oh, so and so wants you, tell them you want to go. They they ask you a sit Well, my one will always ask me some question Are you happy here at the moment? The answer was, Yes, I am. If it had said to me, Manchester United are interested in you, I would have gone, Oh, 
And then he would, <laughs> not then happy he, anymore. <laughs> yeah, and then he would ask me that, quite, that that normal question, are you happy here? I'm not really sure would have been my answer. Yeah. So there you are. But going back to it, yes, it's great when you find out about you find out about somebody and you know how trusted he was and his opinion was held so high and he recommended me to Big Ron. And yes, I am very, you know, I am kind of, you know, it does make me feel something. So we need to get that in black and white. We need to get it on social media. We need to get it everywhere to sell it now, Wayne. <laughs> no, but you know, it's funny though. Um, I remember, I think Mike Duxbury, who I worked with on his book, and he's in the 80s, I think he was at a players' function and he said that Jimmy had come up to him and said, you'd have, you'd have fit in our team. Do you know, imagine getting that kind of compliment. I mean, and obviously you followed in, in Mike's footsteps in that position and, and obviously Jimmy must have thought the same of you. I mean, those kind of compliments are just, like I said earlier, it's almost like it's worth more than, than what you win on the pitch. I don't know, it's a weird thing to explain because obviously United are in the business of winning trophies and you won plenty, but I just consider that as just like mind-boggling that... Um, I don't, we've already talked about it. It's, it's just well done, well done to all involved. I'm particularly pleased for the Murphy family, and um, I, I can't wait for that um, statue to be unveiled at Old Trafford. It's over overdue, well deserved. But I'm glad that the club have done it. Um, in fairness, the club obviously engaged with these conversations throughout, um, and the time, well, the time's right because the time is never wrong for that. Um, okay, so the 2021 season is over. This is going to be our last part of the season for a few weeks. I'm um, taking a rest. So let, let's cover that last game. Manchester United finished second in the league and runners up in the Europa League after losing on penalties to Villarreal. It was a tough night, that one. Um, we've talked about the selection issues. Oli had sort of pushed upon himself over the preceding weeks, Paul. And as it transpired on the night, he made some big calls. He broke up that central midfield partnership. Um, allegedly due to Fred's injury that he picked up in the week before. It meant that um, he didn't have to choose between Rashford Rashford and Greenwood. Um, both of those were in the team and Pogba's position was moved. He was ineffectual from deep. Rashford had one of his worst games from the left. Um, Villarreal let Eric Bay and Lindelof have the ball because they were going nowhere with it. Um, Eric Emery's game plan was basically to stifle United hope that they shot themselves in the foot. He almost banked on that plan and it almost worked for him. Well, it did work. You know, they were gifted a goal. Then they stayed true to that plan. They interjected more energy towards extra time. United were tired. They couldn't... The tired United players were never going to be able to do what the fresher legs weren't um, able to do. Um, everyone seemed to be looking for Fernandez, who was swallowed by a big blob of custard in the yellow shirts. Um... Solskjaer criticised for starting De Gea, criticised for starting Lindelof and Bay, criticised for changing the midfield, for starting Rashford, for starting Green, Greenwood, for start, for not starting Van der Beek, for not using Van der Beek, for not bringing Rashford off, for not bringing De Gea off in extra time, for the confusing decision to bring on Twanzebe. Uh, for me, two errors, but perhaps I can understand them. Um, Lindelof and Eric Bay, we talked about this in last week's pod, it would not have been my pick but those were the senior players and Twan Xavier barely played he was never going to play I th- I, the error was always it was always going to cost us one goal that that new defensive partnership of uh, Lindelof and Bikes you know Twan Xavier was never going to get picked and Lindelof was never going to get dropped um, I understand that but like I said I thought it was going to cost us at least one goal and I wouldn't have moved Pogba but maybe the injury to Fred was genuine enough to keep him out of the side obviously it was because didn't Fred come, didn't Fred come on? 
Yeah, later right. in the game, it came off yeah, the greenwood. Right. Um, yeah, but you know, I, I mean, you'll pull, you'll agree with me with this one, Paul. I mean, you'll probably agree that Oli got it wrong and and that influenced the result. But he's been criticised. He's been given pelters from all quarters, and I think you and I like to take a, a little bit of a rational look at this and a step back and a reasoned look. But we're both going to admit that Oli got it wrong. Um, what what did he get wrong for you? Um. Well, the one bit I'm going to kind of question is why these people saying now that about you got Henderson and De Gea wrong. Mm. At the end of the day, De Gea was the most experienced goalkeeper. He was playing in that competition, so so I allow him that little bit of sentiment and loyalty on that side of it. Um, De Gea made a couple of important stops during that game. Yeah. Henderson's inexperience was showing prior to that game yeah. in certain situations. Um, with balls popping out of him, you could see his immaturity. He's come, he's coming, and he had a great, great time at Sheffield United, but constantly being under pressure, being very, very active. And goalkeepers are judged, top goalkeepers are judged on what they do when they're inactive, when and then when they're called upon. Henderson has been found wanting. You can see it very rash, but everybody at the moment have got has got an agenda. So the agenda is to to dig out and find a reason why Ollie's got something wrong. The one bit in that situation is I feel now and I feel like an experienced manager would have said something to would have talked to De Gea and would have said to him if it does go to penalties I'm going to bring in someone who I believe can can maybe do a job there who's got a different way of doing things who has got a better record than you have so in theory what he's saying is is that whatever happens during that playing time where the maximum was always going to be 120 minutes if, that's, if it goes to penalties, I'm going to make that change. And in today's game, it is, that is acceptable, totally acceptable. But if Oli hadn't had said anything to De Gea, hadn't even crossed his mind because he had a million things going on, to actually do that to David De Gea, David De Gea maybe would have felt, you know, would have, would have taken it something like that person, like being yeah. pulled and deemed not good enough. You have to speak to someone. It's easy to come out and just say, do it and don't worry. But there's certain things, and especially with something like where you're talking about maybe you, you look at something where someone, someone's mindset, where, where the, where's the strongest mindset on the football pitch? And I think it's a goalkeeper where you need them confident. You, everything you need within the head, the goalkeepers have to have all, all those tools. And so for him just to go and do it, just like that, to make a rash decision, I think could have caused a problem, could have affected David De Gea. A bit what we saw with Chelsea when um, the goalkeeper. Yeah, yeah. We saw, see that kind of, if the man, you've got to talk to someone. At the time when you talk to them, they don't like it, but at least they can grow into it and understand what's going to happen. And the first thing after, is after he accepts it, he'll say to himself, the chances of that happening are very, very minimal. And it does happen, but it isn't a hundred percent. Nowhere near that. So um, he would mostly would have gone with it. I don't think Ollie had spoke to him, which isn't a problem, in the sense of, you know, it's one of those things that you think to yourself, no, nah, I ain't got to worry about that. Him being a manager. So I didn't. So that bit, I'm you know, having a blaming Ollie for David Ahaya situation because he never moved for a penalty. It's about what he'd done during that 120 minutes to get there. You got you got a question more. You question more about the outfield because the one thing David. Ahaya I can't do his score goals. Yeah. So you ask that question, and you look what's in front of him with the defending for the goal, which was poor, and that was um, and I, that was communication. 
that was Baye, that was everyone not communicating when one player's run across. And if, you, if you're not going to shout, and you, it's not in your thing to shout because you're not communicating, you go with him all the way. So he's run away and he's dipped in behind Lindelof. And if Lindelof's got his eye on the ball, which you always believe that you should do, he doesn't know what's running in over his shoulder. As much as you say you can look over, if you understand where that, where, you know, about a free kick, you will see there was no way. The moment he looks over his shoulder, that's the moment someone could nip in front of him. And that's criminal. That's, that's the worst kind. But when someone runs in behind you and, is other, and you're in a line like that, someone has to shout. You can't just let someone run in behind and hope that the ball doesn't reach them. Mm. In, in that in in that circumstance, but then when when I look at it, I asked I asked a question: Why were Manchester United holding such a high line? Yeah. It was uh, I, was, I was sitting there watching it, watching it with my with um, my boy and his mates, just just here in the kitchen, and I thought to myself. I turned around and said it. I said the line's too high far too high I said anybody can just drop a ball in and it'd be deemed a great ball but it was an easy ball and lo and behold they go and do that and you can't defend as a defender running towards your own goal it's really really difficult to clear your lines when you're facing your own goal it puts you under pressure someone's behind you and it's going to put you under pressure because you know that you you have to make contact you can't let it run across you because you don't know what's over the other side of you you're facing your goal any contact you make could affect the goalkeeper goalkeepers it's too big an area for goalkeepers to come out into they've got to hope for a really bad ball so the whole defensive line was absolutely rubbish if you'd have had a leader out there somebody would have seen it it wouldn't have happened united haven't 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 really got that player within the club to be honest, but I will ask the, why why was it why was that line so high? And you need to see that again, Wayne, to maybe to maybe say to yourself, oh yeah, why was it so so no, high? Yeah. yeah, because we when we it was one of those things what I thought afterwards, because we were messaging during the game and as I said to you, like um yeah. I think it's it looks like Eric Bayer's error because that's what it looked like at first. But then when you look at it yeah. again it's like it's everybody's error. It's like, oh my god, I would like that one. And that's the sign of a bad defence, isn't it? You know that, that you can you look like you're going to blame one, but the, there's so much blame to go around. It was such oh, a was bad. Too, it was too much to pick out. To pick out one would have been would have been very very difficult. There was a lot of reasons why, and some people would turn around and look at other look at other things. And but I'm 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 turning around and I'm saying there was a few players to be questioned now. And and to be honest, you hold the whole team, you know. Yeah. Up for that one there because that that was that was terrible. So so let's talk about that thing. You, you sort of we touched on it with Fred coming on, um, not fit enough to start apparently. What do you think of that decision? Because we were saying like Rashford should come on from the bench. We were in agreement with that before beforehand, and we were thought you know Pogba's going to play from the left. Let, let's just say that you know Solskjaer knows the players better than what we do. He, he saw that Fred wasn't fit to start, or maybe he looked at it and thought, no, do you know what? Fred's got a little niggle, and that's the excuse I want to play an attacking lineup. Which you can't criticise him for trying to take the game, but considering that McTominay and Pogba are more definitely two individuals rather than a good partnership, um, it was a risk to say the least. I mean, 
yeah, when you look at how that game unfolded, one defensive midfielder was probably all we needed. But we haven't played with one defensive midfielder for ages, so we don't have a system that's used to that. Um, do you do you think that Ollie should have still, even if Fred was not fit and he wasn't going to start, do you think that? Ollie should have jiggled that midfielder on, maybe put Van der Beek no. in rather than Rashford. Yeah, he, he should have, he should have done because Van der Beek couldn't go, would have gone. He's got he's better defensively than Rashford. Yeah. He's better with the he's better with the ball than Rashford. He doesn't give it away cheaply, and he would have been another another player with a with a with creativity in his locker because the moment Fernandez was shut up, then United didn't have anything at all. Going forward, they didn't have anything. Mm. So when I when I look at it, there was there was nothing wrong with Fred. There was nothing wrong with him. So it, you know, you wouldn't bring him on a sub. It didn't make sense to bring him on as a sub. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, you either start with him to go out and do what you do, or you, you don't bring him on to to try and win a game. Yeah. Like that, you know. If you're gonna if you're gonna play one in midfield, one holding player in midfield, you play Fred. Yeah. You play Fred because, especially when you, you, when everyone goes back and watches that first half again, and you watch how that ball was going around in midfield, it was moving very, very quickly. Fred can do that. The moment you slow the game down and you allow Fred to have too much time to think about things, that's the problem starts. That game, that first half was quite competitive when United had the ball initially. When they started getting hold of it, you needed someone to break it up. Scott McTominay can't break up play because he can't move his feet quick enough. Yeah. Very slow, runs too upright. People were saying to me, oh, Scott, he was the best player. Oh, he was energetic. If Manchester United are calling out their best player, oh, he was brilliant, He's because he runs around and he bumps into people and, you know, he, he tries to make big tackles and he won balls in the air, then Manchester United might as well drop down two divisions. Mm. If that's what people are going to come out and talk about, the team was poor, the selection was poor. If anything, Fred starts in that in that in that midfield. If he's and keep it the same as it is, the only change that needed to be made if he wanted to keep his what he saw as his best eleven, the team that always does well in the big against the cities and the PSG. And remember, that was against City, who won the league, by the way. So that, those results are irrelevant. And that was against P. And that was against PSG. In the um, champion, was it Champions League, wasn't it? Yeah, the group. And what happened to PSG in that group, and what happened to Manchester United? I wonder. (laughs) So, so it's totally all irrelevant. All that, you know, thinking that. But anyway, so if that's what he should have done, if that made him sleep better at night, should have done that. But the player, Manchester United's worst player in the last third of the season, has been Marcus Rashford. Yet he plays every single. He gets every single start, and I think myself. That doesn't make sense because that's affecting other players' headspace. They're kind of going, well, what's going on here? His end product's poor. He's trying to beat people. Every time he loses the ball, he's falling on the floor and rolling around. I'm sitting here listening to kids saying to me, oh, but he's carrying a knock. The people on the TV are saying he's carrying a knock. If he's carrying a knock, don't start him. But you can't have him every time he, he loses the ball, starts limping. Because if a kid does that on a Sunday morning, the dad will, drag, will tell to the coach, take my kid off. He's not mentally strong enough. He's, he's making excuses. Sorry, Marcus Rashford should never start in that final. Didn't deserve to because he hasn't been good enough. Greenwood has to start. The balance of Pogba out there would have given something further forward and maybe have taken a bit of the a little bit away from Fernandez. They might not have been able to close him down as easy as they did. So they knew that United only had one outlet to go forward. And they just went bang. 
And this is a team managed by a manager who's managed in the Premier League and did a, a decent job in a, in a tough club with, 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 the, with difficult players who've done, who've done okay. But he is, a, he is absolutely there, the king of the castle in the Europa League. And he just absolutely suffocated them. He did it again with a team at um, Villarreal. It wasn't a nil-nil this time. It was a 1-1. Manchester United cannot beat Villarreal. Um, it might be, as you pull it, it might be that custard kit. I really don't know. But they just, <laughs> they just, can't, deal, they just can't deal with it. And he, he got it absolutely wrong in what he'd done. Yeah. So he's going to have to start again. He's got to think this summer about how is he going to make Manchester United better. Because Manchester United... Um, were a miles behind Chelsea, miles behind Chelsea. Doesn't doesn't matter they finish second. They are miles behind Chelsea. They are miles behind Manchester City. Liverpool have got them a little bit of momentum and mojo back. That's that's going to be a tough one. Spurs are going to have a new manager, so straight away you don't know what's going to happen now. Arsenal, well, I, I don't think that can, that's that, that's that's they're becoming the Manchester United of the South because they've got issues up top as well. So I don't know what Oli's going to do, but they can't compete. They can't compete with as the way they are. He needs to get a new a new get his new head on things off. I've got to give Manchester United more than one way of playing. The personnel we got ain't good enough for what I'm going to do. And I'll say this again, and I'll say it openly: Manchester United can't compete to win a Premier League if they're going to keep playing Scott McTominay in their midfield. Yeah, and, and well, and certainly that defence as well. But he's got to. It's one thing that I, I said when um, I said this is going back to Mourinho's days. But it, at the time, it was more like Jones and Smalling were always getting played. But it was clear that Lindelof and Bay weren't good enough either. And I think there was a game just before Oli. Um, it was the start of that season uh, where we went to Brighton and Lindelof and Bay played, and they were all over the place. Neither of them should have been on the pitch. But at the time, it was like Lindelof was the one that was... Um, even though Bayer's the most erratic one of the two, um, Lindelof didn't do much to inspire confidence. So, basically, you've had this sort of three-year spell where it's been obvious that those the centre-backs just aren't good enough. And, yeah, I'm not saying Maguire's been exceptional, but we know the difference that he's made by his absence. And... I think that this is... I've always said this a few times on this podcast as well as elsewhere, but my my issue is that Solskjaer has got to be ruthless with these players because ultimately, if he's not, they're going to cost him the job. It's the same with Lindelof as it is with Martial, as possibly with Pogba as well. We'll talk about these in a moment. Um, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I thought that um, Emery had this perfectly set up. Um, I don't think it's a great Villarreal team. I don't think it's as good as the one that we played when when there were all those nil nil draws. We, the team that we spoke about last week with Senarin, but they, they they Emery made a, a game plan. He knew what he was doing. He made those changes to keep the players fit and almost gambled on penalties in a way. And he was right to do so because they just had the nerve to do it. Um, and they were good. I think the only two players you mentioned McTominay his performance in the game and I think you're right in terms of it being his energy that was the thing that stood out um, for, for people but that was mostly to do with how poor the other players were the only two quality players I saw in the team were Luke Shaw in the second half and Cavani and Cavani was running everywhere man he was like it was like he was tethering the team together you know like he was trying to get the, he was like running back with the rope to try and say come on guys we're yeah but he, he was he was wasted it's oh, yeah, you, got yeah, all, yeah. You, you got all that quality but the people around him 
aren't good enough. They're mm. not good enough, some of them. And people come out of me, oh, you, you know, can say what they want about me. But to the end of the day, the game's moved on. It's a different game. I don't think the game technically, and certain individuals technically look quite good, but they're not. They haven't got the same kind of bravery, brave enough to make a mistake. And they, they get, I think the game's got too complicated. We're trying to overcomplicate the game. We're trying to virtually put people into classroom to study the game, when in theory, football is just one of those things that is instinctive, which is which you gain from being out there in a, in a playground and you just play and things just appear and happen and you do randomly random things rather than trying to like virtually sculpture something into places they try and do. And we're making it far too difficult. Cavani... Learned, he learned what he'd done from playing in maybe rough streets, playing in a rough school, in a, in a, on concrete in his school. And he, and he got a little bit more better educated by being coach. But then life skills come in and he picked that up about where to go and then reading what other people are going to do. But the problem is there's not enough street players. I think sometimes you're overcoach people and you players and you're trying too hard it seems like the game's gone away from the working class kid who just wants to get out there and make a difference difference to his own life and more importantly maybe help his family and i just think those kind of reactive instinctive players are being dragged away by people trying to take that away from them and say just keep it simple and just play the stats that's right certain bits should be kept simple but when you get in certain areas you know, just go out there and enjoy yourself. Marcus Rashford is taking it to extreme. He's doing too much, which you don't want to take away. But when it doesn't happen, grit your teeth, get up and try and get the ball back. Don't keep looking at referees and saying, well, I'm Marcus Rashford and it's a foul if someone touches me. Don't be like that. Don't have that attitude because that goes through the team. And Cavani is getting frustrated. And when you keep people saying, I'll oh, get Harry Kane. No, you've got a better striker that suits Manchester United. It's the players around who need help. Greenwood is moving forward. He's, he's got over, I think he's got over that situation. It's taken him longer than what Phil Foden, it has Phil Foden. But he's getting better and better. People keep saying he's a centre forward. At the moment, he enjoys playing to the right, stepping inside in that position. And I think it needs Fernandez. You can see what he wants to do. I think he needs maybe someone closer to him who can maybe just improvise and, and see his runs or maybe know where to put the ball for him to run so he makes those late runs. He, never, he very rarely goes to the side that Marcus Rashford's on because Ra- Marcus Rashford doesn't see him. Yeah. Never, never wants to see him, wants to dribble and score this unbelievable Messi-esque kind of goal. Messi does that, but Messi doesn't try it week in, week out. He only does that when he has to, when people are diving in. He does, Marcus Rashford does it. He's got four players around him, works in the playgrounds because everyone sees you as the best player. You can do what you want. When you're playing and you're out there, you have to remember that you're not, you're not a goal for a tennis player as an, you're an, as an individual. You're in a team. And at the moment, that front line now needs something because if you talk about points that weren't right, it's, through the, it's kind of that kind of forward, that last third of the pitch was a problem and it's still a problem defensively and it's always going to be difference of opinion how the defence can be improved yeah well let's talk about that in summary then I mean um, I do think 
the best comparison I've got for like people like to go back to the the older the older days and, and sort of like say this is what it was like then, but it does have a feeling of the summer of nineteen eighty nine for United, um, where we you know Fergie like Whiteside and McGregor, two hugely popular players, and and brought um, a lot of players in Ince, Pallister, Phelan, Wallace, Webb, summer a big spending and and big um, thing, and then obviously you had that winter where. Um, his job was on the line basically and there were people, fans were protesting against him and I do feel like we're kind of at that stage where it feels like a lot of the foundations are there but there's obviously a lot of upgrades that are needed as well um, and guess what guys, do you know what, you can be critical of the manager and still want him to come good and still believe that he can I do think that perhaps the biggest indicator of fans not being at games is the actual idea that there's a divide in the support about Ollie. I don't think there is a divide in the support because if you had 70,000 fans at Old Trafford every week, they'd all be showing support for the manager. You have this horrible cesspit in social media where people who call themselves fans are just waiting for United to lose. And it's horrible. I mean, why? If you're meant to be a fan, you want them to win. You want to back the manager. You don't want to wait for them to lose to say oh I was right because of, guess what that's a, a stupid game where eventually everyone will be right because in football 99% of managers get sacked do you know that's how they lose their job do you know so you'll eventually be right for being negative well done do you know that's you're playing the odds game with that but uh, you know Oli is in a position where he needs to have a really big summer like I mentioned earlier though you know you either get those players out or they get you out when we are in that scenario he's going to need to be ruthless um, so some of those tough decisions to make in the, the summer Paul two of them at United the big internal ones are going to be David De Gea and Paul Pogba the contracts whether or not to give them new ones or to use them as um, collateral for, for, for a big transfer you know to, to entice a club into letting go of one of their better players and you know, there's been a lot of talk about Haaland and Kane, and I wonder if Paris, because Kylian Mbappe has got a year on his deal, and I know that's a very ambitious signing, but United are in the market to try and make a, a, a signing like that. And I look at a club like Paris, and I think that, you know a player like De Gea or a player like Pogba would do something different for their team. And if Mbappe wants to leave, I wonder if that would be a deal that you're worth exploring. Um, what, where do you stand on this? I mean, De Gea and Pogba, it's a very tricky one for, for Oli to sort of... You, you would think that the odds are one of them's going to get a new contract, but... Um, I, thought, I thought David De Gea got his new contract. Has he got... I'm sure he's got a year left on it. I thought he got a new one, because I thought he got, it was, um, he got a pop of money, I'm sure. If he hasn't, then... Ollie's, Ollie's in an easy position if he hasn't then if he feels that way he can easily let him go with a year to go that makes that's easy but if he's on if he's, I'm sure he signed a new contract and obviously oh he did, got, he did he did he did yeah. 23 23 yeah. is there yeah but I mean still I mean if he wants to leave as well there's another yeah that's the, yeah, that, yeah no. Yeah. yeah, so Pog was the Pog was a contractual one, but De Gea is a player who he's still got value in a, a club like Paris. It'd, it'd be an upgrade on Navas or whatever goalkeeper they've got. Yeah, oh, he, he definitely would. But so Pog Pogba's Pogba's the one, yeah. and I think it's come to the point really where he's got to look at it and say it's not going to happen for him at United if they're going to go that little bit. It's always kind of. You're hoping it's going to work, and I've been one of them hoping it's going to work. When sometimes I thought it's not going to work, but I want it to work just for him, just to him to maybe just to let people know. But 
it isn't. I don't think it is. And now Oli is struggling of where to play him, and he's got no belief where to play him really. And he tried that again to put him in midfield, and and he just sat deep. I don't know if he was told to sit deep against to sit deep against Villarreal, but he didn't have anything. Couldn't get in. Couldn't get into game. Scott McTominay was playing further forward, and and you say to yourself, no. Paul Pogba's the one who should be in there with his quick feet in those tight areas in and around the box. You want him making those runs into the box with his, you know, with his, that kind of control he's got, the way he can bring balls down from anywhere, his agility, with, you know, to go and take balls in difficult areas, you know, in difficult places in the air. And that's where you wanted him, and he wasn't doing that. So I wonder why he wasn't doing that. So, Ollie, if there's someone who can show an interest, you're going to have to turn around and live with the fact that Manchester United pays so much a player and they lost so much there's been so many of those stories don't think they they shouldn't think they're going to be the first it's going to go on and on and on for as long as football's already always there but someone's tried to get somebody didn't want to miss out Sanchez there's a bit there's another story but that doesn't get talked that doesn't get talked about at this moment in time it'll get brought up but it will disappear Pogba's one of them let him go somewhere else and don't be scared if he goes and does well somewhere else because that isn't about you as a club. That's more about him as an individual that people will be talking about and the reason why it never worked. And when you look at it, it's about him and how he dictated, tried to dictate things at Manchester United for the worst. Mm. Yeah, possibly. I mean, the, the thing with Pogba as well um, is is that he's had this sort of thing where people have talked about for, for the last sort of four, four years where to play him where best to play him and how best to get him out of the team and like we've said with Martial it's almost the same kind of argument well he's still going to be invested the, the investment in three years more of Pogba is invested in the last three years and saying that you want a repeat of that and we don't want a repeat of that. He doesn't want a repeat of that. So just let him go somewhere. And and yeah, maybe use him as that collateral light, uh, you know, for a player like Mbappe. Because Pogba will still be seen by some clubs as, because he played well enough at points this year to sort of fool, I would say fool, some, some big club into thinking they got the chance. I don't think Madrid will do it. Um, Barcelona look like they're um, shopping at the bargain basement and, and getting in loads of free transfers but I, you still think like a club like Paris who are going to need to sort of they still feel like they want to win the Champions League and they they might look at Pogba like that and maybe you know if Mbappe can express that he wants to leave I, I think it's obviously a hugely unrealistic transfer that but I just think that if you've got the cards not not necessarily in your favour but you've got a favourable set of cards that, that could be there to present to them and say look um, this is a, an option that could work well for everyone but I, the thing that stands out to me for this summer Paul you know, people will say oh the Euros it's difficult to do work but Barcelona like I said they've already negotiating a bunch of players in on a free transfer players are available and clubs are willing to sell um, I've read somewhere that Basuma of Brighton and Neves of Wolves are available and you might be able to get the pair of them for 65 million United should be all over that shouldn't they that transforms our midfield it would give us a platform where you'd say they can dictate the pace from that area of the well, I'm not, not so much Neves because I think he lost his way and he's, as much as Neves has scored his unbelievable goals and he does things he's not in the game enough there's a reason why Neves is playing for Wolves when Neves first broke into the scene and he was playing Champions League football mm. as a young player yes he hasn't I don't think he's stepped on he could do if he went if he went to a big club Pesuma well that's a different story yeah. That, I mean, that, 
they have to go. That's where you should be going. That is the one who would, who would... And you watch the way he plays. He's supposed to be a holding player, but you have a look where he is when Brighton have the ball sometimes. You look where he plays, and then you look when Brighton haven't got the ball, and then you look where he's playing now. He's something which we seem to have put to bed as a football as a football country and because maybe all these young people are FIFA and they're kind of straight away giving people names and virtually sticking to it, he is a box-to-box midfield player who's got a desire to be in and around the ball, winning tackles and trying to make and maybe score opportunities. That's what he does. But we've got this thing that you people want to put on DM on people. No, he's a midfield player. And we're allowing it to happen. It's like the days when people, my, my boy's a fullback. So you go and watch him some play at fullback. And he will stand on the edge of the box as a right back and not move because he's a right. So we've gone, we've gone to labelling players and putting them in areas and saying that's all they've got when they haven't. But then that's the way they're coached as well. We, We'll be coaching the young player as a defensive midfield player, but he won't be won't be letting him go into the box and try and score goals or make don't no don't do that. You've got to stay there in case we lose the ball. Well, I'll tell you what. What about saying have belief in that player that you're going to keep possession for you to go forward? Mm. So, Basuma is would be an in, would, incredible signing. I, I always mention about Declan Rice, somebody who can sit in there. Basuma is more athletic than Declan Rice. Um, he's got a little bit more in his locker with the ball than Declan Rice. So for me, the one thing Brighton do have better than Manchester United, their recruitment's better because they bring players in and everyone's going, Where, where's he got him? And they're earning money off of them because they'll sell on a few and get a little bit of profit. And if they stay in the Premier League working like that, that's a great line of business. Not only are you picking up TV money, you're picking up money on selling players. But United seem to not go and get those kind of players, spend big money on these well-known players and established players from big European clubs, and then all of a sudden you end up kind of going, they're not doing it. You end up in a Paul Pogba situation. And there's nothing wrong sometimes in going out and making someone into a superstar who's come from nowhere, and that's where you get it from. That's when that player, and you'll get appreciated, you know, that player will appreciate it, and he will give everything to prove a point. And... So, pursue, as you, you mentioned those two, I would go with Pursuma, yeah. perfectly honest. The, the, you are proof of the pudding in that one. Um, I mean, the entire defence that you played in, um, yourself, Bruce, Pallister and Erwin, they all came from um, not not unfancied clubs, but smaller clubs than United in the league. Do you know what I mean? And Pursuma fits that profile um, in, in midfield, obviously. And United... He's the kind of player that would help United dictate the pace, and they haven't had that for, for years and years. And like you've said, it's been a transfer strategy for this last seven or eight years of try and get the big names in, and sort of because United are the name to prove that they can still get them. And I think at this moment in time, well, it's like the centre back argument now. You're not looking at like Varane keeps getting mentioned, and fair enough. Like yeah, all right, Varane, let's let's say that you sign him, but. The point is that you don't. The chasm between what we've got and a Varane is so big that you just need an improvement in there. You don't need a Varane. You, you know, let's say Varane comes and plays his best football and settles in great alongside Maguire. Great, but you could easily get someone else. I, I'm not. I'm not naming names because it's not my job to do so. Like, you know, I don't want to be, say I'm disappointed if X doesn't come in. But I just see that there's a. 
a huge market for different names there that United could improve in, in centre-back um, without necessarily having to go over and and that's where we are, isn't it? You know, it's not don't just go for Ram because he's the big name who might be available. He's a big name, but he's not. He's not a good defender. Mm. Some of his mistakes have been highlighted in the last eighteen months. Have been absolutely awful. Mm. There was it. There what you could see when he first came into you thought, wow. But I'm I'm saying now is I'm saying no. He he is not the one. He is not the one, and just his physicality. Isn't he's going? You know, he's no different to Lindelof in that sense. And then you know, you can't judge a, someone how strong they are just by because they've got big muscles. It's about what's within. And if you look at the game today, doesn't matter how big their muscles are or anything. Everyone's falling over for the fun of it. Now they can't stay on their feet because they're trying to gain, um, trying to affect the referee's mind by just falling over. But he hasn't got that inner strength. There's too many times he's brushed aside. Too many times he's given. Goals away, bad back passes, um, own goals, everything is decision-making, caught in possession. No, he's not the one you would go for. To It just isn't going to work that way. And United, as you say, has been mentioned with him um, for a long, long, many occasions. When things ain't going right, they keep mentioning him because he's at Real Madrid and signing a player from Real Madrid is great for PR and you can just, and the, the average, you know, the fans can go out and scream, we've signed so-and-so from... Real Madrid. We've got to remember, Real Madrid ain't great at the moment. Mm. They're not great. If you're going to go and pull someone in as a centre half, get someone who's been doing a good job, and first and foremost, he's showing you that he can defend. Yeah, that's what you need. Brucey, I played against Steve Bruce when he was at Gillingham, and I was at Fulham. That's why I played against Brucey in the old third division. I played against him when I and and one time I got the ball in the fullback and it must have been something it must have been a corner or something to Gillingham and all of a sudden I think we made a counter Bruce is trying to get back I get near the touchline and at Gillingham their um, stand was um, the, the first row of the seats were, were below the level of the pitch <laughs> so Bruce so I'm running I'm going running up the touchline I get the ball Bruce has come across launched me with the ball and put me onto the floor below pitch level and do you know what hurt me more was the fact of the Gillingham fans punching and kicking me as I'm trying to get out to get back on the pitch again. Good grief. Brucey knew how to defend. I played against Brucey again when I was at Norwich. Sorry, he was at Norwich and yeah. I was at Queen's Park Rangers. He played centre-half with Dave Watson. When those two come up for corners, and I was, I was one of the main markers for Queen's Park Rangers, me, Big Alan McDonald, Terry Fennick. And I'm and I'm there, and I think to myself, I want to get back and be on a near post, yeah. or a back post, being a full. I wanted to become a fullback again because those two frightened the life out of me. Yeah. Mickey Mickey Phelan was playing as well, yeah. and it was absolutely incredible. So when United got Brucey, they got a defender, and then they got the added bonus. So they got, they got a defender who could pass the ball for fun, but had it better than anybody else in both boxes. Pally, I played against Pally when I was at QPR. And he was at Middlesbrough. Yeah. Pally was just, you know, a young, he was rakey, he was lanky, that old-fashioned word, lanky. He could head a ball, he could defend, he was decent, he was good on the ball, Pally. Really, really good on the ball, in that sense. But what Pally was, which put in, it was something I was watching on YouTube, I was watching when we beat, Pat, we beat Wimbledon 3-0, last game of the season of 93. Yeah. And it showed an instant when the ball was put through to um, Justin Fashionu. And Justin Fashionu's running onto it. And I think he's got a big smiley face. I'm going to run a goal here. 
Pally just Pally just turned on the turbo and took the ball off his toe. He got he got two yards in front of him when over a five yard space. Mm-hmm. And Pally was so quick. I played against Dennis Irwin when Dennis when I was at Fulham. Dennis was Dennis was at Leeds United. Yeah. And Dennis was an incredible defender. Incredible. Dennis was nasty. As much as Dennis is one of the nicest people I've ever met in football and played with and was still great mates. But Dennis could be nasty if someone got on his nerves, if he got upset and they'd done something wrong and he thought, that's out of order. But he could defend, at Oldham he could defend. He was still scoring goals and doing, but his priority was to defend. So importantly for me, given if you're Manchester United and you can go out and you've got a front six to dream, to dream for, just to wake up every morning going, my front six, I idolise them. You've got to get defenders. Now, when I was playing, we had a good back four, and I've just named three of them. Think of now, if people were to go and look at the the front six, the front six in front of us, they'll turn around and say to us as back four, stay where you are. They can do it. Yeah, yeah. No, we haven't got that anymore. Manchester United haven't got that. There's not. You go out there and you say, who you could, who would you stick your life on to defend, and if anything, give it all. To, to win the ball and make that last and get you out of trouble. I'll give you one. Yeah, one Bissaka. Yeah, the only one you the only one you could trust who could do that. If Luke Shaw goes and does sixty percent of what he's doing now, what he's done this season, then there's your second man. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the point for me. So, like, yeah, just to return to that with the centre offs, it's, it's not like you have to go and get the world class player. No, the, 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 the upgrades are them. there. The, yeah, the upgrades are there. They're available. They're around the football, um, and that's what's happened to United over the last few years. They have sort of morphed back into this area of um, development where they are, like I said earlier, like that 1989 thing. There's two or three big areas in the team where you don't have to go and get the world class player it's not oh we have to go and break the record to get a player like Di Maria mm. it just be sensible and that's a virtue of Solskjaer by the way and a product of what he has done in, in sort of being sensible with that remodelling and yes there's been the frustration of those defenders still being there but this is why we're in that critical era basically is, is Solskjaer now is it, he's at that point where if he doesn't get rid of them his future is going to be dictated by what happens with them. Um, so it's definitely going to be a big one. Um, just before we close for the season, Paul, a couple of things. Um, let's name the player of the year and the goal of the season. Um, I think oh, both, both obvious ones for me. Um, oh, God, I think, yeah, of course. Yeah, I, just, I was going, I was going, oh, why are you put me on the spot here? But yeah, that's it. the goal of the season's easy. Yeah. Go I'm on, happy I, now, Wayne. You can carry on. I, <laughs> um, player of the season, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Fernandez for my choice. Um, I don't think I don't want to start off this being critical, but I am going to anyway. Uh, people compared him to Cantona. I think we've seen that that was a bit of a harsh judgment on Fernandez, really, because it's not fair to expect that kind of level of impact. Um, Cantona was perhaps it gives us a different appreciation for just how seismic Cantona's difference was that Cantona brought the best out of his players around him, you saw in the final really Pogba was looking for Fernandez instead of taking that responsibility on himself, that that does tell you the, the difference that Fernandez has made but also that he hasn't brought the best out of everyone around him and, and his form did dip towards the end of the season but tops the goals, tops the assists um, scored some great goals uh, made some great assists and by far the most influential player that we've got attacking so it has to be 
him as my player of the season. I, I know that, that, to be fair, there are a couple of choices this year which we don't always have because it's always been just one and then the rest have been pretty poor. But there have been a, a few choices this year. Luke Shaw's been good. Um, Maguire, I guess, has turned out to be a, a good player because um, he, he's been missed. But really, for me, Fernandez and Shaw were the runaways. Um, who, who were the choices for you, Paul, and who, who would you choose as number one? Um, well, see, I, I could have gone different. I could have gone a little bit different with you, but I think at the end of the day, when you talk, when you look at football, you think goals are important, and someone who can make goals as well, someone who has a massive influence on the season. Um, you have to, yeah, it, it has to be Fernandez for for that for that reason. Yeah. I would have said Luke Shaw, but if you if you, I think if you're Manchester United and you throw up a defender. Or a goalkeeper that tells you that you've been on your back foot, yeah. And, and it isn't what the club's about. To be perfectly honest, I would I would say that. But I would say I would throw in another one. I'm going to do a Jose Mourinho and just make one up, <laughs> as he done before. I'm going to throw in, and it's not made up. It's one which which kids do. And you go most improved player. You're going to go Luke Shaw. Yeah. And, and there you are. And that's that's me adding that that little one in there, which I don't think anyone would disagree with. And people might say, but he wasn't. He was doing this. He's improved. If yeah. people have watched him prior to this season and then the season before that, and think what he's been through mentally, think of the other things that he's been through the on the mental side of mental. That's the wrong word. On the yeah. on the head side of things, how his head's been affected with certain things and. How he's been talked talked to, how he's been talked about in the wrong way. And then you think to yourself, it was it was easy just to throw the towel in, but he didn't throw the towel in. He's he's done something which I believe in, is that he's rammed it back down people's throats, and on a certain on a certain individual, he's rammed it right up his jacksie. So um, so I'm so I'm pleased to look sure because I was one of his biggest critics. I still think there's more to do, and the most and what the more to do is is to start showing consistency. Yeah. That's why Dennis. That's why Dennis Irwin is Manchester United's greatest ever fullback because he was consistent. That, that's what added to not only a great player, but he was consistent season after season. Yeah, he's magnificent. Um, a little bit of hint of the fullbacks union coming in there, Paul. I think, but, but <laughs> I, I think you're definitely right, Luke Shaw. If not Fernandez, it's definitely Shaw. And, and then goal of the season. Um, again, comes with a bit of a caveat. I mean, because he's offside when he, he scores it. But I mean. Good grief! You know, it can't be better than Cavani's goal against um, Fulham, wasn't it? The, the goal from long range. Um, un- unless you've got a different choice, Paul, but that, that for me is just beautiful. Yeah, I can't do it because there isn't enough sticking in my head. Is not only about so many Man United games I've worked on, but I've sat at home and watched them because me boy keeps bringing his mates round, and so I end up with a load of noise in the background when I'm at home but I've watched so many games this season by being at games everything's morphed into one I can end up naming a great goal and it might not be a Manchester United one so I'm going to keep it recent I'm going to keep it of a player who I've, who I've enjoyed watching at Manchester United I still say this again it's, uh, it's madness that Oli took so long to get him on a park on a regular basis yeah. absolutely ludicrous and it may have been the difference of being those many points closer to Man City. Could have made a difference if he was on the park sooner because other players would have realised his quality and would have questioned him, questioned the boss in their own heads. But he's, you know, he's been a revelation and for him to finish with a goal like that just says it all, really. Yeah, absolutely beautiful goal. And fitting that he was the one who scored. 
in Gdansk, even though you know it ultimately meant nothing. Um, like you said, I think he had not only um, scored the best goal of the season, but had that big impact towards the end of the season, which really I, I think has put. Um, would you say it's ended Martial's career? If not, I mean, if if, if Fergie was in charge, I would have said yes, because he would have been ruthless and would have said that that basically says Martial's not going to going to play again because of the impact that he's had at number nine. But we shall see. Uh, for me, I, I agree completely with your picks. Like I said, Cavani's goal of the season. What a what a shot that was. Um, and Fernandez player of the year and let's hope that we'll be talking about players around them to support them to to add that quality because I think if if anything is true Fernandez and Cavani have been the star quality um, and the rest of the players have been sort of catching up to that and we really need a big player well we're going to need four or five more performances like that next season if we want to challenge for trophies yeah, but hopefully, you know, it's the first time ever, Paul. Really, and I'm a little bit deflated this week, obviously because of because of the final. As a United fan, I've always want my team to win the trophy, but I did want them to win it extra for Solskjaer. Do you know what I mean? And that's not because he's a legend; it's because everyone I do, did. I do everyone some. Did. Yeah, it's a strange one. Um, yeah. Like I say, it's not because he's a, a legend at the club. It's literally because I can see what he's trying to do, and you sometimes you need that outside vindication to say, "Look, that's a trophy," and you know, penalty kicks doesn't change that. It doesn't change that. As deflating as it is, it doesn't change the job that's being done. Um, I just feel sorry for De Gea that it came down to him. Um, although he should have should have done better on some of the pens, but it's what it is, you know. Um, and I, I, it doesn't detracts from the good and the bad that we've seen under Ole so it's going to be a critical, critical summer and then a critical start to the season I'm afraid that's the way that it always is at United um, so yeah that's it for a few weeks from me and Paul uh, a few weeks off for us um, but if there is any major news we might come back and, and talk about it in the meantime we'll be running the second series of Barkley and Barton on Manchester United which is looking at the early years under Sir Alex Ferguson um, which includes a little bit of Paul Parker <laughs> his time with the club um, and his introduction to United and yeah so and that's all recorded it'll be being uploaded in um, yeah in the coming weeks um, remember TOTD10 for a 10% discount with classic football shirts um, we will be back in, in a, a month or so please leave us a nice review or rating on Apple Podcasts if you enjoyed the show stay safe stay well and thanks for listening Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com upgrade. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.